Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, Praying in the Spirit. This is part one of that series, and we're focusing in part one of the series on learning to pray in the Spirit. And this is lesson number 15. And in the last lesson, we, we talked about the Spirit helping our infirmities and praying through us. The uh, the scripture used a um, a word here that King James does, and the other translations did too, uh, that is not just a general type of prayer, meaning the Lord came alongside and prayed through us, but it also has a deeper meaning. Uh, and it, it, it talks about not just the general praying of the Holy Ghost through us in tongues, but I want to focus on that specialized, those specialized times here in tongues. Now, I'm going to be talking about intercessory prayer in part two of this video teaching series as one of the flows of the Holy Ghost uh, flowing through us and what that's about and what the purpose is. But I, I want to talk to you about it here in part one about the general concept of that. And and to do that, there's some of the words I discussed uh, in Romans 8, 26, and 27 uh, that I'd like to just remind you of again before I get into others. So this is just just to refresh your memory uh, from the last lesson so that I can go into other details. So uh, Romans 8 and uh, verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He that And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The idea of Jesus helping us pray by supernaturally praying through us is so important that even though we have discussed this some in the last lesson, we are going to look at it again, maybe from a little different perspective than we did in the last lesson. Again, uh, the word helpeth, the, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. Uh, I mentioned this, but according to Strong's, it literally means to take hold of opposite together, to cooperate together. Thayer says the word means to lay along, uh, lay hold along with, to strive to obtain with others, to help in obtaining, or to take hold with another. And what is he helping us with? He's helping us with our infirmities. And our infirmities, again, this Greek word means want of strength, weakness, or infirmity. Uh, uh, the infirmity of the soul, when it's referring to uh, the infirmity of the soul, is want of strength or the capacity requisite to understand a thing, to do things great and glorious, to restrain corrupt desires, or to bear trials and troubles. All of those are infirmities. Our inability to do any of those on our own without the grace and the help of God. But in this particular verse where the word infirmities is being discussed, it is talking about our not knowing what to pray for and how to pray for them in, when we're praying for whatever we're praying for, but especially when we're praying for people, both, or, or not both, but the saints of God or the backsliders or the lost. And there are many different subcategories to those three, but that's who we pray for. Uh, that's what we're supposed to be praying for, uh, in Jesus' name. So when it, 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 it when he said it helps our infir- uh, infirmities for, uh, we know what, what to pray for as we ought. The word for there in the Greek means to assign a reason. 
That's the Greek word that it means to assign a reason. So the reason that the Spirit is helping our infirmities is we know not. And and the Greek word usually translated know is uh, gnosko, but this is eido. Again, I'm not a Greek scholar, but that's as good as I can do. Literally, the word means to see. But figuratively, it means to know or perceive. So we don't perceive what we should pray for and how we ought to pray for it. We don't perceive it. And the word not there, this is really quite a word. This is the Greek word. There's like four different Greek words that have some kind of negative connotation with them. But the one that is the most extreme is this Greek word, it's O-U in the English equivalent letters, and it mean, it is the absolute negative. No exceptions. We don't know what. We know not what to pray for as we ought. We absolutely don't know what to pray for. And even if we think we know what the need is, we don't know what the will of God is to pray for that need. And yet, in my lifetime in the church, there's so much praying that was done where people assumed to pray things that they wanted God to do. How they wanted God to fix stuff. How they wanted, what they wanted God to do about things. Without ever bothering to submit themselves to God in His will and say, okay, Lord, I'm, I need to pray about this. How do you want this prayed for? And you say, well, he doesn't tell me. No, he doesn't tell you because he doesn't want you to pray for it intellectually. If there are things I need to pray for, and he doesn't tell me how to pray for it, which is going to be the case most of the time, I can't pray for it in obedience to his word if I'm not letting him pray for those things through me. If I'm not praying them through me. So when looking at the context of the Greek words translated maketh intercession in these two verses, the meaning of those two words are somewhat different. And those differences aren't just semantics. In verse 26, uh, the word intercession primarily speaks of the Lord's willingness and desire to come alongside of us and help us to pray Therefore, intercession here is him helping us to pray. But in verse 27, the word for intercession there says, is saying something different. It is, it's to ask for something with urgency and intensity. This Greek word is describing the most significant type of prayer that the Father wants to pray through us. This is intercession. So intercession in verse 26 is just talking about the Lord coming alongside to help us pray all kinds of prayers. But verse 27 is talking about him praying through us and interceding through us in an urgent appeal for specific situations involving people, and usually that urgent situation is their salvation. The Greek, This Greek word in verse 27, translated intercession, is describing the most significant type of prayer that the Father wants to pray through us. 
This describes the inter- intercession as being where the Spirit prays through us for others by using God's own words, God's burden, and God's authority with us just being the conduit for it. And this is called intercessory prayer. When he said prayer that we pray for the saints, the complete word study dictionary says of the word for here, when, when, when he, he that searches of the heart knoweth what of the mind of the Spirit makes intercession for the saints, According to the will of God, the Greek word for here, according to the complete word study dictionary means, uh, for in behalf of, for the sake of, in the sense of protection, care, favor, benefit, etc. After words implying speaking, pleading, intercession, meaning for someone. So if I'm speaking for them, pleading for them, praying intercessory prayer for them, That's what this word for standing for. Note, this word is not speaking of just the object of the prayer, but it also speaks of the method of the prayer. So intercessory prayer is not just prayer prayed for, urgent prayer prayed for others. It is the way the prayer that's prayed. It is the spirit and the ministry of intercessory prayer praying through us, interceding for someone through us. While these verses first and foremost apply to prayer in general, in addressing the common human infirmity, we don't know what to pray for as we ought, how to pray for it. The second verse specifically addresses intercessory prayer as a ministry flow. Intercessory, in this case, intercessory prayer is... uh, is the most important prayer that we can pray. And it is the prayer that the enemy fears the most because it is the most powerful and effective prayer we can pray. Now, I'm not going to great details of the how-tos of the flow of intercessory prayer in part one. You'll have to wait for the lesson in part two for me to do that. But... uh you need to be thinking and understanding in your mind now that it is the will of God. Now, there is a ministry of intercession that only some have. But everybody that's got the Spirit of God can play, pray prayers of intercession. Everybody can. And it's the will of God for everybody to do that. So, let, let's look at this for a minute. The reason intercessory prayer was so important is because intercessory prayer was Christ's primary focus of prayer. When we pray in the Spirit, we allow Him to continue to pray in this earth through us. Now, for instance, Romans 8, 31, I'm going to read several verses here. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Now, let's look at that verse a minute. Christ is at the right hand of God. Who is Christ? Christ is the the one that was born a woman. A synonym for Christ or another alternate equal title for Christ is 
the Son of God. The Logos made flesh. Right. And the scripture says that that's the way that we can see God is in the face of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. And so Christ is the only visible image of the invisible God, Colossians 1.15, forever. And Revelation 1, 4 and verse 1 says, among other verses, there's only one throne in heaven that God is a part of. It's not two or three thrones, there's one throne. And Revelation 3, I think it's the next to the last verse, I don't remember which one that is, Jesus said, that if those that overcome are, are going to be able to sit down with him in his throne, even as he has sat down with the Father in his throne. So the man Christ Jesus, who is the, the who is God Almighty manifest in the flesh, who according to Isaiah 96 is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, or some translations say the Father of eternity and the Prince of Peace. He, he, when he sat down, when he sat down at the right hand of God, that's a figurative speech for meaning. He sat down on that single throne of heaven as the only visible representation of our Father God, the I am infinite God forever. And so when it says that he's at the right hand of God and he also maketh intercession for us, there's only one way that could be. And that is that the one who's sitting on the throne that we can see obtained from the Spirit the promise and that he's the one that shed forth this baptism of the Holy Ghost, Acts 2, verse 33. And so through the Holy Ghost that is his Spirit, the one sitting in the throne is not praying while he's on the throne, but the one on the throne is the same one praying through us in intercessory prayer. Even now, that is the will of God. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. Condemnation can't do that. That's what it means to lay anything to the charge of God's elect. And con- uh, uh, excuse me. Condemnation cannot do that because Christ is sitting on the throne and he's the one praying through us. And no circumstance can do that. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded neither death nor death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Romans 5, 5 says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. So when I receive the Spirit of God, I'm receiving the love of God because God is love. Right. And... Even though I'm praying in the Spirit, God may not deliver me from all these circumstances because it may not be the will of God for us to be delivered out of all these circumstances. And yet none of these circumstances, even those that take my life, can't separate me from the love of God because he's in me and he's praying through me. 
And of course, some people don't pray in tongues because they don't trust God to pray against the things they want changed. When the purpose of the Spirit of God praying through us is first and foremost for us to receive the grace of God and the strengthening of the grace of God to be able to endure whatever he's given us through, given us to go through. And the second thing, of course, is to pray for the will of God to be done in the earth as it is in already purpose in heaven. Jesus' name. Notice how important this prayer of intercessory or this intercessory prayer type prayer is important to Jesus. John chapter 17, I'm reading to you part, a portion of the only prayer, recorded prayers of Jesus. I'm talking about not something he prayed over someone, but something he prayed directly to the Father. The man Christ Jesus prayed to the Father because only flesh prays. So when the Spirit of God is praying through us, you say, well, people say, well, who was Jesus praying to on the cross? If he's God. Well, God was in him. But God's in me too. And if you have God, he's God in you too. So who are you praying for to when you're praying if God is in you? Huh. The God in us is empowering us to pray. Uh, the God that's manifested in us is empowering us to pray to God. That's only a, we've all, we're a partaker of the divine nature. So that portion or share of the spirit of God that's in us is there to empower us, to enable us to pray to God that fills the universe and beyond. And the one who's made visible in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ sitting on the throne of the universe, the throne of heaven. And so here's part of his recorded prayer. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which believe on me through their word. Since it's Christ praying, that's intercessory prayer. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me, where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me from before the foundation of the world. He prayed for us. On the earth, while he was ministering on the earth, the disciples could not pray intercessory prayer because the man Christ Jesus did his own praying for us. But, but, <laughs> what about now? What about now? Well, here's another place where it talks about Christ as the intercessor. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the utmost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. How? How does he, 
if he is the only one sitting on the throne as the only visible representation of the Almighty God forever, how does he pray for to himself up there? He doesn't. He ever liveth to make intercession for them because he lives in us. And he prays that intercessory prayer through us by his spirit. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his sins and then for the people's. For this he, he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the son who is consecrated forever. So the man Christ Jesus ever liveth because he is filled with all the fullness of God, not quantitatively, but qualitatively. Sitting on the throne is the only visible representation of the almighty God. He received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost. He sent that back to us. He gave us the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost now abides in us. And what spirit is that? According to Romans chapter 8, verse 9, and chapter 8, verse 11, it is the spirit of Christ. So the same spirit that was in Christ is in us. And how can that be the case? Because there's only one spirit. So if I have the Holy Ghost, I have the spirit of God, I have the spirit of the Lord, I have God's spirit, I have the spirit of Christ, I have the spirit that was in the Son, because there's only one spirit. Now, here's the next step you and I have to receive. We are called to pray in Christ's place. Yeah. That's how he ever liveth to make an intercession for, for the saints according to the will of God. That's how he that searcheth the hearts knoweth, knoweth what is the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should henceforth not live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ because of the sacrifice on the cross of the death of Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, or take note of this, that God was in Christ and that same God that was in Christ is now in us as the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord, etc., etc., reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, 
and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, and we've been given the word of reconciliation. And what was reconciliation? That was the death of the, the innocent one, the man Christ Jesus, who took our sins upon himself, died on the cross in our place to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be reconciled to God. And those of us that that have received the benefit of the minister of reconciliation, now have been given the responsibility to participate in the ministry of reconciliation, and he's given us the word or the rhema of reconciliation that we speak both in prayer and in ministry, to wit that God was in Christ, Reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliations. Now, then, we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is someone with the full authority and power of the one they represent to act in their place. We are ambassadors to Christ, for Christ, for God, for though, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, or the Greek is in Christ's place, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. How in the world can we pray in Christ's place? Because our our being as an earthen vessel becomes his conduit through which his spirit prays in the Spirit, by the Spirit, in other tongues. That's the will of God for you and I. That's the purpose of God for you and I. That's what you and I have been called to do. In Jesus' name, that's what we've been called to do. So this is so much more than just being saved to attend church services. And to pay our tithes faithfully. And to live by the standards of separation. And obey the pastor. While those things are biblical. They're not the end all to be all. And doing those things is not enough. It's never enough. Because we're called to be conduits. Of the Lord Jesus Christ in the earth. So that he can pray through us. And then so he can minister through us. Because Jesus said, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words, the rhema that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So God has called us to be conduits of his spirit for him to be able to pray through us those things that are necessary to be prayed so that the word of God can be fulfilled. And then all, after we prayed those things, it's the will of God for us in the spirit to hear what the spirit is giving us to say in our language, that the spirit can then empower us to speak his words of life and quickening and revival and salvation through us as the ministry of reconciliation, speaking the word of reconciliation as representatives of Christ on the earth, as a part of the body of Christ on the earth, the head in heaven is speaking through us in the earth to see the lost saved. You've been called to that. I've been called to that. Are you giving yourself to that?
There's nothing else that can please God but that. If we're not doing that, everything else we're doing to try to please God is absolutely devalued to the the place it doesn't count at all. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for my brothers and my sisters that are watching this video and listening to your spirit as you're speaking to them. I speak the spirit of grace upon them and upon myself that we might receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that we might understand our place in you individually and as a part of the body of Christ, that we might willingly and freely surrender ourselves and our wills completely to you and that you might be able to do those things through us that you desire to do, that you might pray through us and that you might minister through us, that you might be glorified in the church. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you.